Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Ooh, yeah. You got something mean, All right, welcome back to another edition of Guys Nation Wrestling. I'm your host, John, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Rob. How you doing? You can reach us at wrestlingatguysnation.com, uh, Facebook page, Guys Nation Wrestling, and the Twitter, GN Wrestling, uh, on Twitter. So we've got a uh, pay-per-view coming up tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this later than normal, so we'll do a little bit of Raw recap. Uh, I got a chance to watch Triple H DVD, so I'll give a review of that, and then we'll talk about Battleground. I think everybody wants to uh, wants to hear how bad our predictions are going to be. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to doing my best. I think the best we've ever done is probably what maybe six and two. Yeah, and I, I think I think if if our listeners are honest with themselves, they're not going to do any better than uh, than six and two. So yeah. uh, you know, even if we end up four and four, I think that's still pretty strong. As predictable as we always think it is, there's there's usually a couple of matches that go the other way. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's not our fault if WWE makes the wrong decision, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes you get these ones thrown in there last minute that, you know, it's just kind of hard to get a feel for. But uh, yeah, I almost don't even count those. Right. All right, so let's get in to uh, Raw. One of the bigger things to go down, um, you know, we've seen the return of Goldust. Uh he had the uh, match with Orton to save Cody's job that didn't work out, all this. They attacked the Shield, uh, and they're invited back by Triple H and Stephanie, the entire Rhodes family, for this past week. Um, and they have a little proposal for them where they can get their jobs back uh, and keep Dusty employed on NXT if they could beat the Shield in a non-title match. Uh, is this the direction you saw this going, Rob? And uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it makes sense. Um, you know, Triple H wants to uh, continue to kind of poke at the Rhodes family. Um, they've had some some uh, encounters that didn't uh, didn't go so amicably, um, especially if you believe some of the things that you might read uh, people talking about over at uh, our favorite forum or their uh, Reddit squared circle. Yeah. and uh, some other places where they say that uh, Stephanie wasn't too thrilled with her interactions with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, you know, that struck me as, you know, potentially true, but also potentially easy to make up. You know? Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you could just say, oh, Stephanie wasn't pleased about anything that happens, and, and people would buy it. Yeah, and you know what, I, I, think, I think maybe she wasn't thrilled with, you know, him interrupting and him kind of, getting agitated and trying to agitate her back. But I think, you know, if, if you read some of these books that people write, you know, some of the um, wrestlers, some of the more popular wrestlers along the way, you know, not everything's scripted, and, you know, a lot of things are off the cuff, and a lot of things have a little bit of reality to them. 
And, you know, they're trying to get each other, you know, riled up. So yeah. I think, you know, he was probably trying to do something that she wasn't going to appreciate. Um, but I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, she knows that that's what's best for business is for him to get, you know, get agitated. Yeah, and I, I read a commenter that, that kind of put it the way I, I would think is that, you know, Triple H, maybe to Stephanie was like, yeah, that was uncalled for, but to Dusty Rhodes, he's probably high-fiving him, you know, saying that that, that was great, you know, because that's, you know, that's bringing that old-school feel back, and he, he seems to be trying to do that, you know, getting guys to, to be more genuine. And, uh, you know, go off the script a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's really helping out. Um, things. So, you know, I, I figured clearly they're not going to leave Cody Rhodes off the roster too long, right? I mean... Yeah, even though he's clearly, tweeting about wrestling for some, like, small indie outfit in New Jersey or something. Right, right. And so, you know, obviously they have to bring him back at some point, And, uh, you know, the Shield is, you know, still... The McMahon Helmsley uh, Corporation uh, choice for uh, for giving people punishment. So uh, I'm not surprised that that they put you know those two against the Shield. I'm I'm almost surprised that it's not uh, a three on two match. You know that you know their uh, their go to has been these handicap matches. So why not take you know one superstar that uh, that could hold his own against one of them and his brother who's over the hill. And add them, you know, in a three-on-two. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and I guess Ambrose doesn't have a match at the moment, so I mean, we expect he's probably going to be in the corner, just like Dusty is going to be in the Rhodes corner. Right. Are you are you a little surprised you didn't have a match? Um, no. I mean, this tends to happen. Either the IC or the US gets left off every every time it seems. Yeah. And I, I'm okay if it's left off every now and again. I'd, I'd almost rather that happen than uh, for them to say, "Oh, wait." You need an opponent. We'll give you Kofi Kingston. Yeah, and partially, I mean, you know, him it being left off has opened up a spot for my guy Damian Sandow, so can't complain too much. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather Sandow get a spot on the card than just to have some kind of filler match. Even though you could you could say that uh, Sandow versus Ziggler might be a little bit of filler, but it's at yeah. least keeping the wheels turning for both of them. Yeah, I mean that's the guy with your with your briefcase, and then Ziggler's another guy that you want to keep on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I kind of expected this Rhodes match to be set up this way. I'm I mean personally, Gold Dust was one of the guys I always enjoyed back in the day. I mean when he first debuted, obviously it was pretty strange and not something we had seen before. Yeah. Or at least not in a while since what I guess Adrian Adonis, but uh. You know, so I always really enjoyed his gimmick. I think he has one of the best entrances in the business. Oh, yeah. Um, even though he doesn't use it as much right? as he used to. Um, so it's cool to see him back. He seems to be in fighting shape. And, of course, he benefits by having that, that uh, ring gear that pretty much covers his body, so it doesn't matter what shape he's in. Yeah, and he, he's, he also benefits from the fact that, uh, you know, his moveset, in the ring, it, it doesn't, you know, I could see him doing this for another 10 years. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it's a better move set for somebody to, to use into their, uh, into their golden years, so to speak, than, uh, than even like what Hulk Hogan uses, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, you it's not very probably, high impact. He's just punching nuts and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him, uh, you know, get, get another couple of months in. Maybe even yeah. have a match at WrestleMania against Cody if if things play out right. But it's funny, and we talked about 
a while ago, you know how we, there was that Legends of Wrestling show, and and Dusty had said, you know, when he first saw Dustin got that that gimmick, he thought it was going to ruin his career. And I mean, maybe in some sense, he never got to be world champion, but he certainly had a hell of a lot more longevity than people would have expected. Yeah, and and there's a lot of guys who are talented in in uh, WWF, and you know went to uh, went to WCW and tried to go on like a like a regular gimmick, like you know nothing nothing too strong, nothing too uh, crazy, and uh, they just you know they just kind of petered out. Like uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who uh, just you know names and faces that uh, you know they didn't didn't really go anywhere. So uh, you know, I kind of think. That um, Dustin Rhodes probably uh, would have been those one of those guys if he didn't have such a such a crazy gimmick that let him uh, show some creativity. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, and you know he's he's embraced it so much, you know, right from the start that you get a feeling it was probably a little bit of his own creation anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk a lot more about that match in our uh, pay per view preview. Talk about how we think it's going to go. Uh, next up on Raw, we finally got the debut of Los Matadores. And as we mentioned last week, uh, we had heard that there was a potential mini involved. And that's exactly what we got. Uh, what was your reaction to their to their introduction and the whole pop and circumstance of it? All right, well, <laughs> first and foremost, I love the fact that uh, Torito, the, the, uh, the name that they gave to the... Uh, the midget wrestler who's fully decked out like a uh, like a little bull. Mm-hmm. I love that he is the focal point of that tag team. Like he's not just he, he doesn't just seem like a manager. He seems like he's the focal point. Like like those guys are out there to help him shine, and they build it into their uh, to their entrance. I mean, how how great was that when you have the bull on the Titantron? They have you know the the smoke coming out from yeah. beneath. The nostrils, and the whole the whole build up there, right on the stage, is all building up to Torito coming out through the uh, matador capes. Yeah, and so you could see, you know, once the crowd gets used to this, they're going to be anticipating him busting through, and he'll get a pop for it, and that whole thing. Well, I, I would love it if the entire crowd, right when he comes through, if they yell "Ole" right, right. at the right time, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I necessarily want them to win tag team championships, but I want them to be out there for a good three years at least <laughs> with Torito coming out. I want him to get involved in angles, and I want somebody to try and back him down and intimidate him, and then for him to kind of get the slip and then, uh, you know, maybe give him like a head scissors takedown or something crazy like that. Sure. Yeah, I could see them lasting for a while, and they're definitely, it's a well thought out situation with the Olays. I mean, they primed the crowd for it. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. They were eventually going to gonna log into it, probably. And, uh, yeah, he does seem to be the focal point. I mean, he's bouncing around. It's it's all about him at the end. And, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's definitely a different take on a tag team than we've seen in a while. Yeah, and and so I, I, guess, I guess there's a couple of things. First of all, h- how seriously can we take these guys if the focal point of their tag team is this midget wrestler who is probably not going to weigh into matches any more heavily than uh, than a standard manager? I mean, how how seriously can we take them? Are they are they potential uh, tag title? I I think they could be simply because uh, we've already seen, <clears throat> you 
you know, some some interesting uh, combo moves, you know, with, you know, with both partners involved in it. Uh, so there's obviously some thought being put into how they're going to, you know, be able to do, you know, put on offense. And, and you know, I don't see any of them being a Mike guy, so we're not going to get, you know, comedy that way from them. It's not going to be like a three-man band kind of throwaway tag team. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how soon it would happen, but, you know, I could see them getting some fan support, and I think ultimately that'll be what determines how far they go is if the fans get behind them. You know, yeah. WWE will run with somebody if they start getting some crowd response. You know. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess, I guess Santino did have uh, one or two championship reigns back, uh, back when he was still the Milan Miracle, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Honkameter. Yeah. So, obviously, it seems like yeah, okay, WWE might invest in them, might make them champions. How long do you see this gimmick lasting? I mean, the fact that they don't talk, the fact that they don't have anyone who's going to be the mouthpiece. I mean, is this something that you could see? You know, these guys aren't these these guys aren't old. So how how long how long could you see this uh, this thing running? Like, are we talking a year or are we talking like more than that? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's really hard to say. I mean, I guess if I had to put something on it, I, I would say less than two years. Yeah, but um, it's it's not that I don't like it, and also you know you could end up with, you know, I mean they've they have no problem shifting around managers. You could end up with Ricardo being their mouthpiece down the road somehow. Yeah, I guess uh, so. So, or or maybe one of them actually can speak eventually. You know, I don't know that they've had a lot of opportunity. Yeah, and they're Puerto Rican. It's not like they don't speak English. Right, right, but. You know, in the the current way that they're set up, I guess they just haven't yet. So I I guess that's a fair point that they uh, they could. I'm not I'm not saying that uh, Primo and Epico aren't capable of speaking English, but uh, but I guess to this point we just haven't, we so haven't seen it. I I read someone on the forum, uh, Square Circle, say something that was interesting. <clears throat> that does seem to be the case that you haven't seen a whole lot of tag teams uh, like this that that having a full tag team gimmick, you know, actually get the belts. It's it's been these odd pairings, you know, the odd couple, the Daniel Bryan and Kane type right. pairings. Uh whereas like the Usos and the Primetime Players and now Los Matadores and these these teams like that haven't actually gotten there. And I guess you do have the shield getting the tag titles, but you know, anecdotally, I mean we'd have to look at the list. It does sound like they've they've you know been more into giving the belts to you know, teams that paired up, like Kofi and R-Truth had it for a while. Right. Know. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, as, as you were listing off some of those teams, I was just trying to go through my head and think, you know, what are the potential exceptions to that? And, you know, of course the Shield came to mind, but, you know, just like you said, like I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that I would consider that just because the Shield are, are part of such a big angle that it's almost like, I wouldn't really say that that's like a full-fledged gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they gave it to them so that those belts could be involved in the big angle. So, I mean, your your point holds that they uh, they have really just been giving the belts, you know, aside from this, they've been giving the belts to, uh, you know, the random pairings like you've been saying. So, I don't know. I'd like to see them start going back to the uh, giving it to, you know, teams that seem like a team and have you know, potentially a team gimmick. Like yeah, so going that. back going back a couple of years, uh, the Nexus and a couple of different 
varieties had it, and then you had Santino and Kozlov, and then you had yeah. the core for a day, or when they got it back, it looks like, and then Kane and Big Show. Yeah, that, uh, I wouldn't really count Kane and Big Show as, as a team. Yeah, Otunga and McGillicuddy. Yeah, that counts. Air Boom, Evan Bourne, and Kofi Kingston. I thought that was pretty cool, but for some reason that flamed out. I can't remember if it was because uh, Evan Bourne, Bourne got, got suspended. Oh, uh, okay. And then they gave the belts to Primo and Epico at a house show. <laughs> yeah, so if, and, if, we ever, if we ever did a show where we talked about uh, some of our biggest disappointments... I don't know how far Evan Bourne would be into my top ten, mm-hmm. but he would probably be in my top ten disappointments. Yeah. Yeah, because Air Boom would have been really cool. But. All right, so, you know, I I would say they might not last too long, but I do think they're going to get a serious uh, chance at it. I think that, I think when they put this much effort into it and there's these vignettes leading up to it, it's not something that's just going to fall apart. Yeah, no, you know, I, WWE I could, can force people to like something they've done it before. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I could agree with that. I could see it lasting a little while, but I will say uh, they do have that innovative finisher where they kind of pick them up on their on their shoulders and then they drop straight down. Mm-hmm. That looked good, but yeah, uh, I really so, like that finisher. Yeah, but some of the some of the stuff I saw saw from them on Raw, they got to clean up some of that sloppy ring work, and I I almost didn't mention that. But uh, the fact that they've been out of the ring for, I don't know, a couple of months, you know, they, they need to kind of clean up some stuff. And I, I don't really recall their match on SmackDown all that well, mm-hmm. but, uh, but they, they've got to they've clean some of that up. Yeah, I wonder if they were wrestling at house shows or not. I hadn't seen any videos of it, so I'm actually thinking they probably didn't. So, yeah, they could be rusty. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the new tag team. We'll see where they go. The division is... Looking up, you know, a lot of a lot of new teams floating around there, and they're getting actual matches. A lot of potential. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to one of the other big stories. Um, we start off raw with CM Punk in the in the uh, ring. You know, we kind of wanted to go ahead and take care of Ryback right there. Uh, you know, some back and forth, but ultimately, what we wanted to talk about was kind of the idea that CM Punk is existing in his own little universe. Um, you know, apart from the corporation storyline, uh, he has some history with Daniel Bryan, but he hasn't, you know, come to his aid or anything like that. Um, so what do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not something that uh, that's new. It's it's not uh, it's not a concept that that people should be unaware of because it, it happens with uh, John Cena all the time, right? I mean, if if anybody other than John Cena is uh, is battling in for the uh, for the world title and facing a heel or, you know, has a, a couple of people who are against them, you know, John Cena typically won't run into help. You know, I mean... It's, yeah, and, and for all of 2012, I mean, Punk was working on the WWE title and John Cena was doing his own thing. Right. So, it certainly happens before, but it just seems like with, with CM Punk's history with Triple H, you would think that they would want to try and work in something where he at least where he at least mentions the fact that it's going on, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, may, okay, maybe we don't need CM Punk getting involved in Triple H's business, but maybe you could have something backstage where Triple H shows up and, and starts talking to CM Punk like, uh, like, hey, I don't know what your thoughts are on this thing with Daniel Bryan. And CM Punk just says, you know what? 
I don't care what's going on with Daniel Bryan. I don't care what's going on with you. When it starts to affect me, then maybe you'll have an issue. But right now, I've got, you know, bigger fish to fry. You could even call it a whale. Right. Paul Heyman. You know, I mean... A walrus. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have something like that. Because, I mean, it, it just feels like you have to have CM Punk either be aware of the situation or have Triple H be aware that CM Punk is lingering backstage somewhere and could get involved. You could even have something as simple, in my opinion, as a backstage vignette or a backstage, you know, a couple seconds going to commercial, coming back from commercial, where they just run into each other backstage and kind of lock eyes, but they don't say anything. You know? Yeah. So they acknowledge each other exists, Triple H and CM Punk. Yeah. Um, that, to me, would be enough to, to make it seem like Punk isn't completely separate from this. Because it, it, it does make sense if you look at CM Punk's own motivations. You know, he has serious issues with Paul Heyman, and he's going to be focused on that, just like yeah. any of us would if, if we were real men that had issues with other real men. <laughs> right. You right, focus right. on that before, you know, you take care of anything else. Yeah, if we had our own little uh, vendettas. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so it makes sense that he's not paying attention, but, yeah, I agree with you. It would be nice if there was a little acknowledgement. It would just add some flavor to the whole thing to where now we can feel like, okay, maybe eventually Punk's going to do something. At least that's in the back of our head because right now he's not going to do anything. I mean, there's just no reason. There's no foreshadowing. Like, he would be completely out of left field if he did something. Yeah, and, and plus, you know, he's gone this long without doing anything. So it kind of be like, uh, he would almost seem like an asshole. It'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I know I haven't helped you out in all these situations where I should have helped you out, you know, the past three months. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little hand now, right? <laughs> so what's this I hear? Um, Triple H screwed you? I, I don't know. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, he yeah. has no idea. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, when I'm not wrestling and uh, the people are, you know, are on TV that uh, that are involved with Paul Heyman, I just change the channel. Superman uh, 356 came out. I'm sorry, I completely missed it. But uh, right, so you right, had a follow-up right, question right. on this situation? Yeah. So I think I've mentioned before that WWE seems to uh, pair guys together, have them feud, then six to eight months later. They feud again. Six to eight months later, they feud again. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I think I mentioned it before. I, I think Sheamus and uh, Mark Henry was one. There was something with Kofi and uh, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Certainly Rey Mysterio and Alberto Del Rio, but of course, you know, you might call in the, you know, their nationality, whatever. So there's been things happening uh, over the past, what would we say, five years, rounded off. Between CM Punk and Randall Orton. Hmm. Now, I almost have to wonder... Randall Keith Orton. Yeah. Well, hmm. I share the same middle name as him. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Okay. If I was more of a fan of, of RKO... Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah. Um, but I digress. So, um, I don't necessarily know whether or not they are willing to have Daniel Bryan uh, be the ultimate victor between he and Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. But I have to wonder, if Randy Orton doesn't lose the belt at this pay-per-view and potentially you know, they have some sort of thing at, uh, at Survivor Series where they kind of end that... Well, he doesn't have the belt. Well, okay. But yeah. for all intents and purposes... 
there's a strong chance that, uh, that he's going to get it back. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if Daniel Bryan doesn't beat Orton at this pay-per-view, Orton would be the champion. Potentially. Barring disqualification. Right. Which right. they haven't mentioned. That's, no, that's, that's an interesting point that we should certainly yeah. talk about. Right. Um, but okay. One, one or the other, they've, they've positioned Randy Orton to be potentially the chosen champion. Mm-hmm. Whether he gets it at this pay-per-view, at Survivor Series, or down the road. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a potential that Daniel Bryan's not going to be the one to get the belt off of Randy Orton. Do you think that keeping CM Punk outside of this angle with, with Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan, do you think this could potentially end up with uh, CM Punk being the one to dethrone Randy Orton? Uh, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't imagine Punk's going to be outside of this situation all that much longer. Uh, I mean, I, I think certainly by the time Royal Rumble rolls around, he's going to be involved somehow. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see. So what you're what you're basically saying is, even though right now Brian's the guy that looks to be in position to conquer everyone, it they might end up making it CM Punk. Yeah, and that's. I'm not saying that's what I'm predicting, but I think I think there's a strong chance that Randy Orton will get the better of Daniel Bryan, and uh, and then you need somebody else for Randy Orton to feud with for a little while. Yeah, and I agree with that. And the reason I agree is that I think, despite how great Bryan is doing right now and the reactions he's getting, he's still not quite at CM Punk's level. Um, you know, people really go nuts for Punk. I mean, they don't have the yes chance, but he gets great reactions, still wrestles well, and, you know, his mic work is still much better than Daniel Bryan's. Yeah. Um, so he can sell a pay-per-view on the mic much better than Daniel Bryan can. Yeah, not, you know, for, for as much as they uh, keep positioning Daniel Bryan near the top of the card, for as good as he is in the ring, and he's good on the mic, and he's good at, at getting a reaction of the fans... I don't know that Daniel Bryan necessarily sells a pay-per-view like CM Punk does. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's kind of the way I see it too. Unfortunately, we completely agree, but <laughs> be easier if we didn't. Uh, but yeah, I kind of see it that way as well. I mean, I've noticed that you know Punk's in these kind of secondary feuds that are still just really getting eyes to the TV. Um, you know, and and his like I said, I mean his his promos are still just. I almost want to say miles ahead of Daniel Bryan. Um, so, and that—that's what you need, really. That's you know when they have the packages and all that. Yeah. To uh, sell a pay-per-view, and they'll include these great quotes from Punk and the ones that they're putting together for Daniel Bryan. I mean, he only has a few lines, and they're not all that great. Right. Yeah, so. but it, it just really helps that right now Daniel Bryan has that one catchphrase that uh, that all the yeah, fans absolutely. like to chant. So. All right, um, let's squeeze in a couple more things before the break here. Uh, we also saw Paul Heyman uh, proposing to Ryback. The whole buildup for this was pretty good. Uh, he really sold it, you know, over the past couple weeks, really, with all these googly eyes towards Ryback and calling him a big, beautiful man. He kissed and, him on the cheek, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did that. Yeah. Uh, so every all signs are pointing to uh, a legit proposal. <laughs> he gets down on one knee. Uh, and I thought Ryback kind of played it off well too. I mean, he looked like kind of confused and 
you know, and then so eventually Heyman's like, uh, would you be a Paul Heyman guy? Yeah. Uh, which was kind of cool. I mean, you know, he had me going. I didn't realize he was going to say that. You right. know, it's pretty damn obvious afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting twist. I mean, they've been, they have been kind of, you know, hinting at the fact that, you know, Paul Heyman felt differently about Ryback than he does about CM Punk, you know, kind of, of saying, you know, I owe my life to Ryback. You know, CM Punk was my best friend. I mean, how do you, how do you take, uh, you know, we kept saying, how do you raise the stakes? Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned this uh, a couple of, uh, a couple of podcast episodes back. And you know, that how do you, how do you raise the stakes from, uh, you know, being, you know, Brock Lesnar's number one supporter to CM Punk's best friend? You know, how do you take it to the next level? And I think. I think it did get a little creepy, a little bit like you know, I, I don't know, just it just felt weird to see uh, Paul Heyman just you know, well googly over Ryback, but then uh, asking him to be a Paul Heyman guy like that, uh, I don't know, it's pretty pretty powerful. Pretty yeah, powerful. it was. It, it really shows the genius of Heyman because this is such a. This is normally the kind of thing that just happens. You know, you just manage a guy. Right. And he turned this thing into like a two-week ordeal that had us on the edge of our seats, you know. And all it was was him just asking Ryback if he could manage him. I mean, it's just amazing that he can make that so entertaining. Yeah. Um, and, and when you think about it, it's like the guys that he's managed before, it's always been like he introduced them, like Lesnar and uh, Curtis Axel. So it's clear there's already a relationship there. There's, you know, a contract in place, so to speak. You know, and then uh, with CM Punk, I can't remember how they got together, but it was clear they were, you know, he was an advisor or something. Right. Uh, with Ryback, all we saw was Ryback helped him and has been hanging out with him, you know. So we never actually saw the official they're together kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so for Heyman to pull this out and, and make it such a big event, it was I thought was pretty ingenious. Yeah. He does it in an interesting way, and... Uh... I'm not sure that we ever got the answer from Ryback, did we? Because I think he was he was interrupted by CM Punk, right? Am I yeah, that I can't correctly? even remember myself. I was kind of just laughing. Yeah. You know, you know I, I think it's interesting, and uh, I'll be really interested to see, you know, after the stuff between Ryback, Paul Heyman, uh, Curtis Axel, and, uh, you know, the whole feud between them and uh, CM Punk, after that's over, is Ryback still the Paul Heyman guy? Like, is he still that number one entity? Like, is there any chance Brock Lesnar's coming back? I mean, all these things kind of play into it. Yeah. Right? I think there's a good chance he will be. Uh, but, yeah, it'll certainly Brock Lesnar's the, the elephant in the room. I mean, we'll have to see what happens when he comes back. Yeah, it's probably too soon to uh, talk too much about that. But Yeah, I think we'll have a lot of Brock Lesnar talk, you know, come Royal Rumble time. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the meantime. Uh, we got to hit a break, but when we come back, I uh, will give my uh, couple point review of the Triple H DVD, and then we'll go down all the matches and predictions that we have for the Battleground pay per view tomorrow. Be right back. <laughs> 